enter if you dare this ghastly conversation of teens fraught with despair and recent lacerations. Final girl, chase after her, don't let her get away. But first, the slumber podcast massacre with TNA. Welcome to Slumber Podcast Massacre with TNA. That's Tim. That's Andy. And this is a podcast about horror. Every week, Tim and I get together and we talk about a different film from the horror genre, from a well-known classic, down to that rare gem that doesn't even know it's a rare gem at the back of your video (laughs) store shelf. This week, Tim and I will be talking about the 2018 Sci-Fi Channel film, You Might Be the Killer. Tim... What uh, what horror trope do you think has outstayed its welcome? Be real uh, specific with you. Okay, the uh, that's over overstay like that. Yeah. It's worn, and out. it can be one that we're going to cover in this. We won't go too in depth in it within the question. If it is, um, we're just fine. Okay, we can um, talk about others. You know, I like I know people like to hear us just talk about life in general, so we can tangent if we want. Go ahead. Answer yeah. The question. No, that's it. That's a fantastic question because Lord knows that that the horror genre is filled with them. In fact, it, it thrives on them. Um, I would say that um, you know, I, I guess what, what I what I would immediately go to um, is it would be neat if there were some other reasonings for things other than the the standbys that a lot of people or a lot of movies go to such as like religion, like something being based in, in a a religious context Mm -hmm. for, for evil or um, force, because we've talked about this before that, that religion is the closest thing that we have to magic. Yeah. (laughs) So um, it's, it's kind of, it makes sense that it would, it would go to that. Um, But I would, I always like it when somebody comes up with a source material that is its own unique, um, uh, what do I want to say? Like, uh, j- just kind of, um, lore, lore. Yeah. yeah. Lore and, um, mythology. Yeah. Uh, that's the word I'm looking for. Uh, other than Christianity to like come up with it, almost as if like, I guess I, the best way to put it is I like it when a movie introduces something new and it's so thorough and interesting. It feels like it's always been around or that it's real. Sure. Like, uh, like even like, uh, I don't know, the Necronomicon in, in Evil Dead or something like that. Like right. the idea that there's this text that exists. Um, and uh, so, I, yeah, I would say that the religion thing. Now, I say that, you know, I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here because the religious stuff is is all is, there's a lot of good religious horror out there. Yeah. Uh, the exorcist. Yeah, I think I think if it's if the the movie itself if like the religion is almost the base of it, like the exorcist, it works. But if like the, if, if it's revealed, like religion is behind it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, Oh, there's a mystery here. Oh, looks like it's the devil. Right. I, but I will tell you something. This is kind of a, a more thoughtful response to your question. What's tricky about your question, while it's a great one, is that there is something sort of comforting in the reissuing of these tropes movie after movie year after year to where as a viewer, you start to feel um, educated about mm-hmm. these storylines. You become like, it kind of like trips your detective 
you know, uh, what are your spidey senses, <laughs> and he makes you feel smarter because you're like, well, I've seen in this movie before, and I bet it's this. And I like to, like we did in this movie when we were watching it, I like to hypothesize. It's fun. Yeah. So having some repeated tropes. You're pretty good at uh, guessing where a movie's going, too. Even the, um, like, uh, I don't know if anyone's ever uh, heard me mention the Kid Detective best movie of 2019. But uh, yeah, you like nailed that one right away. Yeah, and it wasn't easy. No, yeah, um, but I I really love that stuff. I'm fascinated by by drawing connections to things and looking for hints and stuff. It's it's real fun. Um, but you know, I guess the the a really common answer to your question might be somebody saying. I've had enough of these masked lunatics running around the woods. And the thing is, I haven't. Right. I love that. Right. Yeah. I don't care how many times I see it. It's still great. Just come up with a little different mask, you know, yeah. like and a mask can make it. Yeah. A little different mask, a little bit different signature weapon. And I'm in. Yeah. Even though we've seen it before, I, it, there's something comforting. And I want to talk more about that later. Because I made a comment when we were watching this about, like, is there some sort of universal message that we need to all be aware of, like, impending doom in a camp setting? Like, it almost as if this is, like, a prophecy. Like, it's like, I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know what the connection is. But there's something about a killer in a woods that we all need to be really fucking aware of. And in retrospect, we're going to be like, like the signs were there. People afterward will be like, how dumb were humans? And they didn't see this coming. We couldn't come right out and tell you we had to make movies that would hopefully lead you down that path. Right. You know, but uh, but it's funny. It's it's uh, there is a comfort in tropes. What are Um, your favorite tropes? um, Well, I love. uh, And that doesn't necessarily have to be horror. We can go real broad with this if we want. I um but you can do horror it's a horror podcast so yeah I um I like uh I do like I like a sentimental tie to to things I like when love drives somebody mm-hmm. um when when love is somebody's motivation to to push themselves beyond what they would think that they could do I also love like I get really, really choked up at like family stuff when it's like, you know, I've, uh, you know, I don't go out and kill anymore, but my brother got killed. So I'm going to go get my, you know, crate of weapons out and avenge my brother or whatever. Like I like a family connection. That's always really powerful for me. Yeah. Um, Or like uh, somebody, I I like vengeance a lot. Uh, (laughs) I just, (laughs) there's something great about, um, well, like, like um, when we were covering Carrie and I was talking about like rooting for her killing people, which is essentially <laughs> what we're doing. But I, I like um, somebody, you know, not letting the bastards grind them down, you yeah. know. And uh, so I, I like that a lot. As far as horror goes in general, this might seem like a bit of a cop out, but I will buy into anything that they go to the effort to create that backstory that they create that mythology something for me to be like ooh, this happened 25 years ago and isn't it funny didn't <laughs> it's always 25 years ago right. didn't that it's not a very long stretch of time i mean 25 no. years is Dude, a sh- i was just thinking about this the other day about uh the tangent a little bit yeah and i i'm not the only one who's uh, come up with this i'm sure but like when you when you were a kid and you went and saw 
Back to the Future, right? Yeah. Like the difference from uh, nineteen six or fifty five to nineteen eighty five culturally seems like such a massive expansion. Then from like if you go to like eighty five to fifteen, yeah, like it seems like nothing's changed. What's we the got difference? phones. That's it. <laughs> right. Like that's it. You make an excellent point, and you can also illustrate that. Just look out the cat's back, so you oh, may be okay. attacked. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, I, I'm ready with my vengeance. I'm fueled by it. Um, I, another way to, to illustrate that is when we were, let's say, kids in the 80s, and we listened to oldies stations, those were songs that, that were uh, from like the 50s or 60s. Yeah. And those were oldies. And all they were were like 20 years old. <laughs> right. So now it would be like calling. Like Foo Fighters has yeah. been around for longer than 20 years. Yeah. Here's one of your golden oldies from the Strokes. <laughs> right. You know, like it's it, how what is the sentence? The Backstreet Boys. Time has or like gotten. Frankie Valley. Time has, is getting shorter. Like in, in a, I don't know how to say it in a more intelligent yeah. way, but yeah. Or it, we're just getting more stunted culturally. Yeah, that could be. Yeah. Like <laughs> what happened to those jumps when we used to go from like, I don't know, Rebel Without a Cause to E.T. Like, right. I mean, that's you can look at those two movies, two great movies. They don't look the same. No, not at all. No, It's like, I guess it's the alien technology. <laughs> It, it was inevitable. Be. Must be. Um, but no, uh, the, the, they're, they're great questions. And um, I think it's interesting to to consider uh, time before most people do, which is when they're about done with it. Uh, that's when you really start to notice it. But um, I'll tell you, uh, not in a sort of like fearful way, but I can tell you in my mid 40s now. Um, I have become much more aware of time. I've become much more aware of wanting to make sure that like doing something wrong for five years matters more now than it did when I was 19. Sure. You know, um, I was happy to dedicate myself to something for five years at 19 years old that didn't really progress my life. Right. <laughs> and that was fine. I had time. Um, as we get older, we, we have less of it. So you get a little bit more critical of your choices and, and your path and whatnot. So um, if you're listening and you're young, you know, don't enjoy yourself. Just apply yourself <laughs> to forward progression and, you know, sacrifice fun. Yeah. No, um, but no, be yeah, be aware of, uh, of how as you many it. hours as you can. Right. Sacrifice <laughs> your enjoyment. It's the only way to enjoy it. Right. Well, now, okay, so did, uh, was there any enjoyment sacrificed here in this movie? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, we're gonna, let's talk about it. It's You Might Be the Killer from 2018. It was written by, now these names, I don't feel like I'm going to get right. Corvus Berzoin. Berzone. <laughs> I like what you're saying. Uh, Thomas P. Vitale and, uh, Brett Simmons. It was also directed by Brett Simmons. Uh, it stars uh, Fran Kranz, <laughs> Allison Hannigan, and picked up by a sharp-eared Tim Keith David. Throwing Keith David. In. Yeah. Uh, listen, I don't. This is weird. Movie's weird. I could not find a budget on it, 
and like box office is like Blu-ray DVD sales. And they've sold like five hundred thousand dollars worth. Wow. Yeah. I only found. Oh no! Keep going. I'm sorry. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Nansum. Uh, let's do Nansum real quick. Nansum. Uh, Sam is freaking out. There's a killer loose at his family-owned summer camp, and he has to call his friend Chuck for help. It is quickly determined that Sam actually may be under the influence of an evil mask and may very well be the killer. So now Sam must figure out how to break the power of the mask before he is done in by the dreaded final girl. Mm. You may be the killer. Uh, Here we are again. Another movie with a full sentence as the title. (laughs) This is exciting for me. I love this. I actually geeked out so hard that I looked up if the words uh, might and may are interchangeable, like could they have called it you may be the killer or you might be the killer. Turns out that may implies a larger likelihood. So you would say may if something seemed more likely. If it seems less likely, then you say might. They mean the same thing, but one implies a higher level of likeliness. Okay. So, um, so at the end of the movie, she would say, you may be the killer. Correct. At the beginning, you might be the killer. Right. Yes, gotcha. exactly. Yeah. How about a movie that changes titles from the beginning to the end? Wow. I don't. Be interesting. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't really serve much of a purpose, but it sounds cool. <laughs> yeah. You get like a different title card at the yeah. end of the movie. Ooh, interesting. God damn, we're smart. Um, no, Big I. Uh, missed opportunity here. <laughs> Um, speaking of which, uh, yeah, no, this, uh, I, I, I prefer if you spoke to the origins of this movie, because I, I feel like you're better connected to the Twitter verse. Uh, sure. I mean, I'm not very, but I used to have a Twitter account. Uh, I don't anymore. I watched Synecdoche, New York, and I immediately deleted my Twitter account afterwards. That's how that movie affected me. Great movie. Check it out. We could do that movie someday if we were just talking pure existence. You want to talk about understanding time yeah. and what time means? Oh, Tim. I like that stuff. Yeah. yeah. You'd love this movie. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, this movie started. It was two dudes, and now I don't have their names. You surprised me in having to actually have research ready. It was uh, two guys who were having, like, a Twitter, a Twitter chat. Uh, and I can't, I can't find there. Oh, Sam Sykes and Chuck Wending, who are authors. I don't know much about them. They're authors and they were just kind of like, just kind of like free chatting on Twitter. Uh, like one saying like, oh man, all these people around me are dead. And, you know, and then he'd be like, well, like what's, what's, uh, what's happening around you? Like, what do you remember? And as they were like chatting, then he's like kind of has this idea like, actually, what you're describing sounds like you are the killer. And so they're having all this fun with like all the tropes of movies, but from the perspective of the killer, who's a unwill- unwilling participant, right? Yeah. He's a possessed guy. So that gives you the freedom to then he gets to analyze it from a, 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 a real human perspective. So it's, you know, it's just another uh, trope move, a meta trope idea. Yeah. Really, they just found a new perspective to do a movie we've seen five or six times now. Yeah, I I, I, I thought it was really interesting. Like, I'm, you know, this is how little I know about, like, uh, Twitter uh, exchanges. Um, 
when I read that it was a movie plucked from a Twitter conversation, I'm like, uh, did did somebody really kill a bunch of people and they were talking about it online and then they made a movie? And I, I, then I thought, like, OK, no, no, there's like it's kind of like just a free form improv via yeah. Twitter. And um, so I thought I didn't look up the thread and I should have. So I, I don't know how it like officially started. Like, I read it. Oh, and, you did? Oh, yeah. Okay. And it's it's very much like the movie. Like okay. it's it's um it, you can you can see the movie as you're reading the the feed. OK, like it's pretty. That's cool. what I was going to guess that because uh, if you haven't seen the movie, I mean, it's essentially our the main character is talking to he calls Allison Hannigan uh, who never leaves like she is in a stationary set the whole time. She's yeah. in this one store. And she just kind of serves as the semi-narrator expositioner. But like knowing after, because I didn't know beforehand it was this Twitter conversation. Knowing it now, it's like, oh, okay. Because you're essentially watching phone conversation in this movie. So it's like, oh, okay. Yes, now I see. And you just wrote a Twitter conversation out in phone form. Right. And and there was... Phone form. Phone. Uh, there's, there's some... Uh, there's some like admitted um, kind of cringiness on the part of the director when um, somebody pitched it, like the idea of taking this Twitter exchange and then turning it into a movie. And it's it's kind of the same reaction that any of us would have, which it's which is like, is it really has it really come to this? We're getting our fucking movies from Twitter. Right. Like, is this the the state of creativity in the world? But the truth is, it's just a really great exchange. It's like the best that Twitter could ever be. Yes. Um, and it, because it's creative, because it's not just soapboxy and opinions or whatever. It's somebody using it in a creative fashion, yeah. fictitious creative fashion, which is pretty exciting. And I can get over my disdain for technology uh, at at that, knowing that creativity real quick, because I think it's really neat I, that that is that is technology being used um, in a in a fun, cool, inventive way. So I got over that. The director got over that, and uh, what he was so psyched, uh, so, uh, psyched and stoked about. <laughs> he was stiked. psyched. Yeah, psyched. <laughs> it was that um, that these guys really did all the work for him. Like they had a beginning, middle, and end to this whole story. It wasn't just like there was an exchange for like. 10 sentences and then they had to fill in the gaps. Now they did have to, have to f flesh it out to make it a, a 90 minute movie, yeah. but the, the general progression of the plot was all laid out in this, uh, this I mean, Twitter exchange. need three writers then. Cause I, I, you know, there's like nothing else on these other two writers. I mean, Brett Simons, the, the two guys who essentially wrote this don't get a writing credit, but are producers. Yeah, they probably yeah just gave him a producer credit. One of them writer's credit. One of this. them. One of them's mom. Uh, you you might know it. I I think it, one of the Twitter guys of the original writers. Um, I think his mom writes a series of something called I don't know if it's called like Aftermath or something like like it's like one word. I mean, you might recognize mm -hmm. it if you look it up. But like they are guys that write like fantasy and like comic book stuff. Okay. Um. So that's that's the two Twitter guys. Um. And then the. Uh, the co-writers for the actual film were the director and the uh, the executive producer. Um, so they both kind of filled in the gaps and and it was kind of up to them to fill in those gaps. But Who's still Covis Berzoni. <laughs> That's a question I I've asked. You know what? Yeah, I don't life. even want to dwell on it anyway. But uh, but the thing is, is that um, 
that they had to fill in the gaps um, to flesh out this Twitter exchange, but still maintain, uh, as as we say in, in writing, the voices of Sam and Chuck, like make sure that the voices of those characters i guess in in the twitter exchange stayed true and that that their their new lines of dialogue rang true in conjunction with what was already established in twitter yeah so um but i mean they had a pretty good thing to go on so it wasn't like it was the hardest thing in the world um i what i like about this movie you mentioned it um it's you know i'm a big fan of two uh sources of pleasure happening simultaneously from different areas and uh, there's one thing about this movie that I love, and that is the fact that you get not only a beloved trope of mine of kids out in the woods, but you also get the other setting is in a goddamn video store slash nerd store. Yeah. And so it's I yeah, just looks like a big nerd paraphernalia store. Yeah. Called uh, the Rings of Saturn Rings of Saturn. And uh, so I'm just so excited uh, when this movie starts. Not only for those two like really sexy locations for me, but also because what this movie does is literally begins in the final act of a slasher movie. Yeah. So you the pace of this movie literally starts when most traditional slasher movies have slammed the pedal completely to the floor. And and it really doesn't let up. It just fills in yeah. going kind of moving backward, uh, which I know sounds like a lot of double talk, but it makes sense if you watch the movie. Um, but but it's exciting. It, they do take a different angle conceptually. This movie has everything going for it. I mean, there's there's nothing wrong with what's happening here. What I, any of the ideas? Yeah, are great. Smart ideas. A little bit of execution <sighs> problems. Yeah, that's what's weird about it. And I don't. I couldn't put my finger on it, and I still can't. I feel like I did uh, when we were talking before, and I don't even remember what I said now. Like it has so many cool ideas and concepts, uh, and it knows the tropes and the rules really well and it plays within that very cheekily like Allison Hannigan is her character is just so resigned to people dying because of course yeah she's just unaffected yeah 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 there's sharks in the ocean of course <laughs> right, you're yeah, at a camp in a horror movie what's gonna happen <laughs> right um you know but yeah there's just something about it it just um I don't know it just doesn't doesn't hit that gas ever well and here's kind of feels like it's coasting down a hill the whole time is that yeah no i know that makes sense yeah i i know exactly what you mean look i i as an actor it's kind of a steep hill at first and then we just kind of like even out yeah still going downhill but the you know yeah we're still into it but we're not as excited as we were when we started it's a road you've been on a lot so you kind of already know what to expect right as as an actor, I can go watch. Uh, I'm not really a musical theater guy. I, I can go watch musical theater, and I can be completely entertained, and I'm not bothered by really anything that's happening on stage because I'm not judging it against what I would do with that material. Now, if I go to see a play, uh, as as more of a uh, as we call them straight plays guy. I will find myself at times saying, oh, man, I, I would have done it like this. And and yeah. it sounds egotistical. That's what you find. It is. That, yeah. We all do it. <laughs> but that's what you find yourself doing in this movie. They are kind of getting it, but it could be done better. There's a great scene where um, it's uh, it's all set up for humor. 
there is a camp counselor like teaching some kids about like rowing a boat or whatever. Yeah. And you can tell that the actor has some comedic leanings and he is using some funny delivery. Yeah. But it's not the same as if you had a guy like, I don't know, like Will Ferrell, like a guy that's known for just give me 25 takes and then pick your favorite and I'll yeah. make them different every time. Or Jack. Like Black. this guy just seemed like a good camp counselor. Yeah. Right. He's <laughs> like an inner. I would have liked to have had him as a counselor. He was entertaining. His jokes were good. He delivered them well while still. I mean, he's still giving a safety speech. Yeah. Maybe he's the funniest guy in like your local bar that yeah. night, but he's I mean, not like the movie. does Like, so this is, we're talking about Steve, the kayak King. Yeah. Like the movie references him a lot, which yeah. I found funny. Like it's a weird, <laughs> just, they just, it's like a family guy joke. Like they just reference him a lot, like yeah. over the top. And then the other joke is they don't have kayaks. They right. have canoes. <laughs> like these are like funny bits, but it never is like a, it never punches. Right. Yeah. It's um it's usually the difference. That's like one of the funniest bits though. It is. And it's 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 kind of like if you go to a comedy club, it's the difference between the first guy that you see and then the headliner. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. that's the difference. We're getting the first guy instead of the headliner. Right. And so everything is there. The ingredients are there, but it's just not like you said, it's not punched up enough. Yeah. Um they could have they could have uh they could have just executed their ideas more um with just a little bit more oomph, you know, and, and it's, it doesn't mean that there aren't some great performances. One thing that I, I think is, this is a little off the beaten path, but I think it's worth mentioning because we rarely do the tools of an actor. A lot of people look at extreme stuff like Daniel Day Lewis, you know, uh, gaining weight or losing weight or uh, somebody, um, you know, walking with a limp or something like that. But when people can, alter their voices and their vocal registers. I find that really fascinating. And I'm telling you as a huge Buffy, the vampire slayer fan, I've seen countless hours of Alison Hannigan on screen. Yeah. She does not sound like who she sounds like, like it's not like she's speaking with an accent on Buffy, yeah. but she sounds totally different in this movie. Oh, you think so? I do. Oh yeah. Because as Willow, I, she, I didn't watch a lot of Buffy as Willow. She used that sort of like, um, like, a little bit hesitant, like I don't want to mm -hmm. hurt anybody's feelings, that kind of thing. Sure. Um, but in this movie, she's just a lot more like, like you said, unaffected, kind of confident, sort of almost not bored, but like she's calm, yeah. you know, and uh, but still sort of, you know, funny and, and stuff. And she just like I said, her vocal register just it seems to be dropped a little bit. And I loved the fact that this person who I've seen, again, countless hours of just seemed totally different to me, even though she looks pretty much the same as she always Dude, has. Yeah. It, she's 45 years old. Yeah, like, right. She looks great. And, um, so what's your secret, Allison Hannigan? Uh, yeah, I don't know, but she it is does not look like, Oh, you know, you can tell at 45 when people do things to their face. And yes. It doesn't look like no. she has, she might look a little fuller in the face, but who doesn't 25 years right, later, yeah. you know? Um, there, there she, are. She is aging. Yeah, right. Just very well. <laughs> <laughs> she is not a vampire. Um, but uh, th there are. There's a lot of of funny material in here. Even little stuff. I thought it was so funny that they picked the name of the camp as Clear Vista. Like, why not make it all Spanish? Like the fact <laughs> that just one word is Clear Vista. Um, I thought that was cute. 
Um, I like the setup that we have sort of a, uh, well, it's not actually a split screen, but it might as well be of a back and forth between the two environments. That's really great. Um, something that I will tell you from a technical point that I was super impressed by. There is some camera work in this movie that is excellent. And honest to mm-hmm. God, it looks a lot like the camera work of slasher movies from the 80s. Yeah, like, it looks like chainsaw yes, stuff. It, or a Friday movie, like yeah. the way that they'll like shoot, like, um, you know, maybe the camera is pulled down the hallway when they see the killer come through the door or whatever. Like it, mm-hmm. the sort of immediateness of filming, they really capture that, even though they're, I mean, it's more of a, certainly a horror comedy and spoof than it is a straight ahead horror. Yeah. But they capture the intensity of a straight ahead horror. That's really well done. Yes. Because um, the kills in this are really good and gory and varied. Yes. And, and let's talk about that for a second, because it's something that, that we mentioned to each other when we were watching it. And that is, are we collectively as a group, especially, I, I guess, you know, let's just go ahead and make it easy and say horror fans. Uh, are are we that desensitized now to lacerations? Um, <laughs> and it's funny because I I mean, we, we rarely um, other than to to thank our our wonderful performer of our theme song. Uh, rarely do we mention the the content and the lyrics of our of our show's theme song. And uh, when I when I wrote those words, I put in uh, laceration because that is I mean, that's the king, baby. Right. Like it, it's a good, deep cut. Slashing cut is the essence of horror. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so and it the, also a laceration is uh, means it's more jagged. It's yeah. not a smooth cut. Yes. Yeah. Right. Right. It's also there's a tearing as well. Yes. So it's really insult to injury. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little yeah, a little salt in the wound there. Um <laughs> twist in the knife. Uh but um but that's a question like and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it but isn't it a funny place to arrive to as a as a viewer or a person to where you can see somebody get I is the word is eviscerated, right? When you get slashed through the middle and your guts come out? Uh sure. Okay. Um that's right. uh uh I mean <laughs> it doesn't bother me. It doesn't buy it, it, it because it fits because it's part of it right. because it's an ingredient for it. It has to happen. So um, again, I'm again, I'm not like worried about anybody being desensitized to somebody's getting their their throat slashed or their stomach or whatever or stabbed. But it's like, isn't it funny how we just look at that like uh, that's what happens, right? And that that's a great line in this when uh, in the very beginning, it's also in the Twitter exchange when he says, "I think there's you know somebody killing." Oh, there's a crazed, uh, you know, maniac killing people in the woods and her reaction or her, what she says is that happens sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's just kind of accepting that there is this universal trauma going on in camps across the country. Yeah. Um, so I, I like that they have fun with that, but yeah, like you said, the, the kills are inventive. The one thing that I thought was really cool. There's a kill where somebody's head is getting rammed repeatedly in a, in a hinge door. Yeah. Um, and boy, it's we've like seen, a freezer door. It's yeah. in the kitchen. We've seen it a million times. I mean, yeah. whether you want to talk about like a mafia movie or whatever horror movie, um, getting somebody's you know head repeatedly uh, uh, just kind of smashed in and destroyed by this slamming of a door 
now in this movie, we actually get to see it happening to the head. Yeah. We don't get to see just yeah, the Yeah, you person. normally are seeing the door, but the body is laying there. I mean, you're seeing it connect. But yeah, this is like down low. Like it's lower than the head is. Super up close. It just looks like a gross like grindhouse. Like it has that grindhouse feeling yeah. to it. Yeah. And you see the door just coming in behind. And now it's, it's so it's pushing the head closer to the camera. It is probably my favorite shot in the movie. It's great. It is very effective and looks very cool. And that's what this movie did. And maybe that's one of the problems with it. Cause it will do this. Like it kind of jumps around in, you know, what trope it's emulating. So sometimes we get this grainy grindhouse mm. chainsaw look that works for that shot but then we like go away from it so there's nothing like consistent there um maybe that is a problem with it i mean it is is it enough of a problem you know what i think it is if i can <sighs> me hmm. i think maybe it's just the meta-ness of it and i i kind of said this earlier to you when we were watching it where i was like because it kind of runs out of steam at the end and it's like, well, it's because we now know we're in the world of a horror movie. So now we know what to expect. They still try and they have a funny little twist at the end where there are two girls left. So they're fighting each other to see which one will be the final girl. Yeah. Right? That's like, that's funny. That's a great yeah. twist. But even getting to that for the last third of the movie, we kind of already know. And I don't know. Maybe it's just speaking more to a fatigue of the meta horror movie because yeah you as, as you were saying before about you know is there some you know if we become desensitized to you know campgrounds or whatever like i don't know i'm just kind of this feels like the last one where i just want to see that play of like you all know the campground right it's like yeah i do <laughs> i don't know find we need to find a new meta narrative now yeah. No, I know what you mean. Um, and because, look, it, they don't even have to try anymore. I wrote down um, I, I wrote down uh, a note about, I, I say, uh, we, um, we buy the camp setting effortlessly. And that's just where we're at now. Like, you don't even really have to try it. Like, it's, it's, it's good on the part of the film to do, I mean, because you can't just, like, have a, uh, a shot of an open field and say this is a campground. I mean, you got to have all of the, the elements there. But, yeah, they do. It's, it's so served up now. It's, a, it's on a silver platter. Yeah. It's ready made. Well, and even when they're doing the characters, so a lot of characters in this movie, because there are, like, 12 characters that we don't get to know. That is, I know, one of your issues. Like, you don't know who any of these people are except for three of them, maybe. Um, but, like, all of their names, you could be like, oh, that's, like, this horror movie reference or that. But even some of them are kind of loosely or it's like, oh, this is named after a character. This one's named after an actor. And at this point, I'm just like, just don't do that anymore. Yeah. I don't. I'm not. It's not clever. It's not clever at all. Right. Like one of them is named Brad. Is that that could be Brad Dourif. It could be Brad. Uh, uh, what's his name? Pinhead. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. It could be Brad from fucking uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Um, <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, it could be any of those. Um, yeah. This they, person name is Drew because Drew Barrymore was in screen. Sure. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, because uh, this I, character is Nancy, and I like to follow that stuff. Like again, that's kind of the patterns and stuff that my brain likes to like a like a puzzle, and I like to put those pieces together. But that one has been worn out. Right, you're right. Um, Even you, you looked up. Oh God, I gotta look up her name now. Uh, the let's just briefly say Imani. Yeah, let's just briefly say this movie is uh, top to bottom gorgeous people. Oh, you betcha. One or two nerdish people, but. Good Lord. And exciting me with how many like variances of attractive they found. Yes. You've got impishly cute. You've got curvaceously hot. You've just got uh, oozing forceful sexuality, you know, prominent features. Yeah. Like there's, yeah, really good stuff. Uh, Yeah. So Amani, you even, you were like, I wonder if that has something. And it's like, ah, the person who played Allison Hannigan's <laughs> lover in season seven of Buffy, Buffy, her real name is Amani. So yeah, perhaps. Right. Yeah. If, if that's where we're at with this now, then we're done. Yeah. Yeah. We're done. Stop uh, it. You you mentioned, you know, just speaking of the characters in general, I, I have this note here that says I've never been so engrossed by such underdeveloped characters. Um, that's the thing. Maybe it's because they're all so freaking gorgeous. But, um, yeah, they don't spend a lot of time on the characters. Maybe they don't need to. Maybe right. they're assuming that because we they know we've seen this movie a million times. Yeah. And a lot of the characters are since we start kind of in our third act, essentially, when the movie starts, a lot of them are dead. So we only see them in flashbacks to when they are introduced and then when they die for a lot of them. Yeah. But even though like Brad, the man who's left, I know very little about him. Yeah. 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 But it's not about him. It's about the final girls. And, and maybe I can tell you, maybe this is the moment. Maybe this is the moment where the camp slasher died. When a podcaster has a note in his notebook that is two words and it is deciduous forest. (laughs) <laughs> to where i can tell what kind of trees are out there it's maybe it's time yeah, that we move what does that on. mean because you said that it's like a years. it's like a they're like a uh, uh like a seed i think they're like a seed is that seed bearing or cone bearing uh i think <laughs> I maybe it's uh no uh, that would be coniferous um i think they're seed bearing trees oh okay is deciduous forest it's what we have around here so yeah. i thought it was somewhere in the midwest um, yeah, but, it's funny. We we're trying to figure it out. We f- we're finally like, ah, Louisiana. And then not a minute later, he's like, you know, when my parents bought this camp in Louisiana, <laughs> right? <laughs> this old Cajun legend. Yeah. Yeah. Now that I, I kind of like, like, I mean, they did try to insert some mythology, but this movie does suffer a little bit from uh, a mix of two opposite things, uh, too little, too late or too early, too much. And that is a lot of people have a problem with this movie revealing who the killer is. I caught it pretty quick. Yeah. Um, uh, it that, feels really implied by the yeah. title. Like it, I'm, It's not my greatest like find yeah, in a no, movie I'm not ever. I'm giving you credit on this one <laughs> yeah. at all. But uh, but I mean, they a lot of people say if you I watch the trailer. It pretty much like uh, tells you. That. Right. So, you know, people's gripe with this movie is that. It's a neat idea that the killer doesn't really know that he's the killer or he's unaware of that, which is really kind of like a timeless uh, concept where, like they say, that uh, everybody is the hero of their own story. Um, And or if, you know, in the theater world, if you're playing a villain, you have to believe that you're the good guy and and find a reason to love your character. Um, But. A lot of people think that that was such a clever idea and that they just blow their wad way too early with letting you know super early in the movie. 
Now, maybe they they did that intentionally because they wanted to get that out of the way and then kind of work backward as yeah. he's, they want the movie to develop as his memory is becoming clearer. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's fine. But a lot of people think that that was just too good of a gag to blow I mean, that they early. They don't even really reveal it that early because she says you might be the killer. And that is kind of, un- she's uncertain. If well, she said you may be the killer, then it would have been a more of a reveal. <laughs> right. Yes. Sorry. Call him back. But uh, no, I love it. But I love no, it. it is like, no, I, I, I had no issue with, with that part of it. And I thought that was really clever. Um, I think another issue with this movie and it was, so the only way we could watch this was on Hulu. Right. And it had ad breaks, but this movie also feels like it has appropriate ad breaks. Like when she, like when she would say, like, you might be the killer. Like I would, that would a perfect opportunity right there for an ad. Yeah, it's just a great natural though. Just the way it's written, it feels like it's written for television. Maybe that's it. Well, yeah, because yeah, if the commercials feel natural and you're not like hating your life the second that it comes on, then that's probably means it would have made a better TV, you know, made for TV movie. And yeah, and I think I said that when we were watching this, where I was like. I couldn't see watching this movie in a theater. Yeah. Like I would feel like, why did I, I would really hate this movie if I watched it in a theater, unless it was at some small film festival thing, you know, it was like, no one knew about it. And there were four people there. Maybe that's like a fun way to watch it. Right. In a theater, but not like it's at the Cinemark. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, um, it's something that I only came upon, um, from a list it was like a, a top 10 list of horror movies you haven't seen um from i was just picking a year it's 2018 i think and um i just liked the title i thought the title was was cool um so and then i saw allison hannigan was in it and i'm like well th- this should be fun but yeah i have you ever heard of this never movie heard before? of it yeah neither no. did i um but i'll tell you what if we're gonna sit here and we're gonna talk about some things that they didn't they didn't get anything horribly wrong. No, it's just that they didn't get everything perfectly right. That's all it is. But there are some things we can't ignore the fact that if there's something that you're seeing in a movie that is taking place that, that you're not overly taking a lot of notice of, it means that in it's probably pretty good. Um, Sometimes you see, you see that things are good because it's in your face and you're like, Holy fuck. That was amazing. Sometimes good can come from not noticing it. For example, the writing, the writing is great in this movie. You don't really notice it. Like I think that line sucked or that sounded really stilted or wooden or whatever. Like it's, it's very well written. Um, There's even uh, in the midst of all the, um, the humor and everything there there's kind of a, like a sort of sweet line. And I, I wrote down the quote here and it just says, um, I liked it better when I didn't remember. And it, I thought like, Oh, that's kind of like a sweet little, like a sweet little line there. Right. Like that, that kind of touched me as he's sort of remembering, like realizing, Oh shit, I am the killer. Right. Um, and uh, so it's, it's well-written, it's clever, it's fun. But, if we are if we if we are sitting here talking about problems, there was one that you and I both felt, and the more that I think about it, the more glaring it is to me. And I don't care for the fact that Allison Hannigan, there's never a joining of the two worlds. Yeah, because it doesn't it read, and you said this, it reads very much as like a um, a casting agent saying, "Allison, you're gonna love this." 
you you've got three. We only need you for three nights. You're in one. You, you don't have to go to Louisiana. We'll film it in L.A. and uh, three nights and you're done. Yeah. And and that's fine. Like, I like the two different settings, but it felt a little like cheated. It felt a little incomplete that they never converged. Right. Well, and it's because it, like this movie has no. um like it almost sets like tries to set up a mystery, but then there's like no conclusion to that because so art. So let's talk about the killer a little bit here because it starts, it starts well enough and I like it enough where it's like, you know, his family has owned this uh, camp and they know about this legend. So he tells about this legend of uh, these uh, early Cajun settlers trapping an evil spirit in this tree. And then, you know, a hundred years later, a woodcutter comes along cuts down the tree unbeknownst to him and takes it back. And he's doing his woodwork and for whatever reason feels compelled to make this mask, which then turns out to be this evil mask. Right. And he's like, um, you know, and he's like, and it was buried with the wood carver's body somewhere on this property. You know, it's great, great campfire story. Mm -hmm. And then his friend jumps out with a mask and it's ha 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 ha. And they're like, but that he's like, that is true, though, like that is here. So they all go out to try and find it. So so when they do find it, it's like almost just like laying on the ground by mm-hmm. his grave. So you and I both were like, ah, OK, like who's really behind this? Because, I, you know, because at first you're like, well, maybe he's not the killer. Then there is a scene where it's very obvious he is the killer. So then it's like, OK. He, they found the mask so easily, like things seem set up. So you and I, you know, you were like, oh, it's Jamie. Because she was like, this is going to really be a summer to remember. So we're trying to figure out, like, how does Jamie play into the story? Or, uh, you know, how does Allison Hannigan's character to point? I have to tell it <laughs> where you were like, Alice, well, Allison Hannigan has red hair. So she's a red hair ring. <laughs> she's not behind it, but we're supposed to think she is. Like, we really overthought this movie. Um, But even if we were wrong about what we were overthinking, it didn't, there was nothing there to overthink. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and- the, 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 there's nothing kind of resolved with the woodcarver. And, and and that's how you were saying where you want Allison Hannigan to be somehow tied back into it or or yeah, there to be a meeting or a bridge or something. Yeah, because there's those books. Allison Hannigan's character has these books that are sort of like illustrated with what's happening in the on the campground. Yeah. But that's is that ever resolved? No. It's just And she's also kind of like dismissive about this Amani character being there. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it, it almost, seems like she likes Sam. Yes. Uh, and it's, you know, but they're not a thing and it's, she's in that point where she's fine with it and, but still hates to hear about other girls. So yeah, then we're like, ah, she somehow set up the masks that he would yes. kill off his ex-girlfriends yes. or whatever. And that's not there. No, there's just nothing it's a little there. weird that way. And, and I mean, so much so that doesn't it feel to you that like, that has got to be in the movie somewhere, and they just decided not to put it yeah. in. They wrapped it up. It was a red bow that all you needed to pull was just pull it taut, and it's fucking the package is wrapped and yeah. it's ready to go. Or if it but, were just harder to find the mask, like the, literally, the, it was like, oh, there's a bad mask. Where is it? It's right here. Yeah, right. It's just right here. <laughs> right. 
Um, I, I do think uh, if we're going to talk a little technical stuff here, I mean, it's always fun to talk about masks. The mask is super cool, though. I love the mask. Uh, yeah, it's very stripped down. It is. Uh, it is. Uh, it's Groot, uh, essentially. It's Groot mask. <laughs> You're right. But I. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's a fucking Groot mask. It's a Groot Tim, mask. I feel Sorry. like such a sucker. <laughs> It's sorry, Disney, but I, you got me. You, but you know what? It's I'm blind to it now. I like the fact. I mean, at least it looks. Oh, uh, <laughs> it looks like cool evil group mask. Yeah, I, I liked it better when I didn't remember. I yeah. It. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, but before we knew it was a group mask uh, at various times. Uh, it, it it's cool in that it's not trying too hard. It's got a natural look to it. It's a group mask. Yeah, <laughs> without the flourishes of a group mask. Yeah, <laughs> right. But um, but it is. It, it's it, just it, like if the Groot cutout were at like the boardwalk. Yeah, how much of your face is the Groot. Mask? Yeah, like those cheap ass uh, costumes that you would get that just had the plastic in the front. <laughs> yes. with the, it's the, like poor kids the Groot costume that just says Groot on it. Yeah, with a picture of the person you're supposed to be. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, well, what sense did that <laughs> make? Was that? In on. case you didn't get it from the mask, right. I'm this guy. this guy. Yeah, but it is. Um, I think. Hey, I, I think the the Cajun thing. I think is uh, is a nice, relatively untapped resource. It's not completely untapped, but um, no, I, I love a good Bayou folklore. That, Give me more. Yeah, the Cajun, Voodoo, the sort of Creole. Cajun. I love thing. it like the convergence of like um of native beliefs along with other cultures and stuff all kind of mashed up yeah. down there in the in the heat yeah um i uh yeah th- so that part was cool um have one counselor go that woodcarver was my uncle fine yeah cool something yeah god i swore that it was going to be jamie because of that line that you said also because and this is again just reading into it that her name is Jamie, like Jamie Lee Curtis, who is the ultimate final girl. Yep. So I'm like, that's going to be our final girl. Um, but Which it uh, is. Yeah. But doesn't it feel, uh, what, what's the right word here? It, 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 as it's building towards its ending, does it feel like, um, it's one of two things. Either it's taken a little too long to get there, or it's muddled. Or there, there's something where you're right, it loses. It loses it's very theme. anticlimactic. And yeah. like... The ending, (laughs) spoilers, Sam's death. I give everyone a second to turn it off. (laughs) Spoilers. Sam's death, you see coming for like 30 seconds. Yeah. Like that whole part takes forever. Um, Yeah. The fact that he has his back turned, like he's trying to sell it. Right. He's trying, but God, they stretched that issue or something. They stretch it out way too long. They gave that way too much credit. Like, oh, you won't know what's happening behind you because you're turned around. You know, but yeah, don't have. And he's almost like hamming it up. Like, I can't turn around because I see the mask. Yeah. I can't look right now. I'm totally trusting what you're doing. You're doing it right. Right. Just keep saying that over and over. Maybe they thought that was a bit that was going to land better than it did. I I don't know. Um, But, uh, but yeah, it does kind of seem like um, it kind of seems like if you're hanging out with a friend and then all of a sudden like you're having fun, you're having a good time and then like they just have to go. And, and it's like, well, wait, we're having a good time. You know, where'd you go? Um, that's what this movie feels like. It's it's unresolved. But um, 
It's uh, – Oh, one of the real, – just real quick. Yeah. Hold that thought. I did want to say just one of the gimmicks I did like that helped with to figure out where you are in the movie is they would show like how many counselors are still alive. So depending on the kill count, you like know where you're at throughout the night. So that was a very clever way to, to not get you confused with your flashbacks. Yeah, so, and, and it's and they turn it into a bit to where like, you know, they're they're adding up the body count and then sometimes somebody comes back, so they exit out <laughs> right, and yeah. it goes back down and then they goes back up again. So they yeah, that's a nice fun bit that they do. Yeah. Um I I think that it's a movie that is fine as it is, especially for as few people are as are gonna see it. Um but uh I wouldn't say remake it. I, I just wish they could go back in time and 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 take a little bit more time with it um, mm-hmm. and develop it a little bit more. Um, but there's good stuff there. And if uh, shit, I'd rather tell somebody to watch this movie than um, I don't know uh, Hellraiser. <laughs> I mean, no, maybe we pick on Hellraiser too yeah. much, but no, I there are other movies that are held in really high regard that we don't really give a shit about. Um, that I would probably tell somebody that at least they'll have more fun with this one. Yeah. It's a fun time. Look, if, if you, I love, I legit love the concept of the movie, especially if you're going to play into, you live in a world where like horror movie rules apply. So now you've got a guy who's an unwitting killer who now knows once it's down to like, he knows when he's going to die. But he's the conscious killer, you know? It, yeah. I love that concept. Like, he now has to avoid the scenario that would mean his death. But he's compelled by the mask to get to that point. Yeah. Because he's within this world. Fucking love it. Real nice real nice performance by him, too. What's his name? He's got a weird oh, name. Oh, yeah. Uh, 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 Fran Kranz. Fran Fran. Kranz. Fran Kranz. Fran Kranz. Or Kranz. Or Fran Kranz. Who, yeah. He was in uh, another meta movie that I would lo- like to cover someday, but yeah. it's going to be a while before we do meta movie. Uh, Cabin in the Woods. He was the stoner kid in Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, I'll, there's uh, there's one point in this movie where he's like locked up and he's covered in blood, and the way he's talking and his mannerisms, I was like, is is this dude? Because I'd not looked up who he was yet. I was like, is this dude like Tom Kenny's kid, yeah. the voice of SpongeBob SquarePants? Because like literally his facial the angles of his face the way he's using his hands his voice everything was just like i'm watching a young tom kinney and then i could not for the rest of the movie get that out of my head <laughs> it's not related to anything it was just an observance that i had to get out there and say if you ever watch this you also have to know what tom kinney looks oh, like yeah. if, if you ever uh there's a, a cartoon called SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, he's not in it though. You don't know. What well, he right. Looks like. <laughs> no, you're right. Well, not he's everybody the pirate. Can he's the pirate that shows up. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, but no, you've as soon seen as him, if you've seen SpongeBob, yeah, as soon as you said that, I'm like, God damn, that might, like it could be his like nephew or his <laughs> yeah. son or something. I had to yeah. look it up. Yeah, very very close. Because I know he had a child in the late '90s. Yeah, that would kind of make sense, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. So I was no. like, oh, my God. It could be. Because yeah. I remember, like, because he was on Mr. Show. So that's yeah. how I, like, knew Tom Kenny. And I knew his his wife was on it. So, like, I've, like, you know, followed 
all the people that were on that show and I knew that she had a child. So I was just like, Oh my God, this could be, is this the child that I like knew about? It's no, a it good not. guess. It was not. Yeah. This the- story is as anticlimactic <laughs> as this movie, <laughs> but you know, uh, anti, uh, climax aside, um, the one thing that I will say is that if you've got two grown men, like frantically hypothesizing, for 90 minutes you're probably doing something right <laughs> like it's enough to to keep that attention it's enough to keep you guessing and trying to figure out that's part of the fun of it um they just i just wish that they would have known a little bit better well yeah part of the fun of that is then the reveal to yeah, know if you're right somebody, or not yeah somebody's ultimately yeah. somebody's got to know in the end, and it better be you, the filmmakers, <laughs> right? Because we're that's all you ha- we have to go on. But when it feels like the the source material isn't quite resolved, then it kind of takes the piss out of it. But yeah, um, but yeah, I uh, it's still enjoyable. I'm still glad that we saw it. Um, it is amazing how engaged I felt just watching a phone conversation. Like that part seems to never get old, and I don't know why. I, I I'll tell you, I, just building on what you just said. Uh, you you said that you just recently watched Scream. When th- there's all I f- didn't, but I'm oh, familiar with it. Okay. My wife did, but I'm. Oh, okay. I think I could still talk Scream. Let's go. So in Scream, obviously, uh, there is a lot of phone scenes, and yes. the phone conversations is a huge part of that movie in all of its uh, incarnations. But when we're watching it in Scream, we still feel the same sort of uh, removedness that we do when we're in a waiting room for a doctor's office and somebody is talking on the phone. Like you can hear the voice, but you're only really seeing the one person. You can't really see the other person because then it would give away the identity of the the killer. Right. But I mean, it, it feels uh, removed is the best word for it. In this movie, I am not even overly conscious of the fact that the conversation is over the phone. Like it really feels immediate. Like I'm wondering how, like, maybe they didn't do a thing with Allison Hannigan where they were like, you get two days. No, they had to have. There's no way she was, like, on her own set. I'm like, maybe they had a real they conversation. built yeah. a video store off in the woods, like, just off. Oh, uh, no, they could just <laughs> talk on the phone. Why well, sure, not? Sure. And, well, yeah, but, I mean, either way, you're right. It, it feels. Yes, uh, cat attack. Get him. <laughs> it does feel. It doesn't take you out of it. I mean, anytime. Um. You know, it's a phone conversation versus a live conversation. There's a difference there, but you don't feel it in this no, movie. No, yeah. In fact, it almost uh, it almost makes it. Um, I don't know. It's a little bit more fun that way because how else could you do it? Otherwise, she's just another character at the camp. I mean, it's it has to be that that removed. Right. But it just doesn't. Um, it doesn't slow anything down. It doesn't bog itself down by the fact that it's not immediate in the same room. Yeah. But and it, she's like constantly engaged. Like she's, she's trying to figure out stuff more than he is sometimes, you yeah. know? And she's like, wants, always wants to know what's going on. She's great in this. She's a great character. Yeah. I'm really surprised how well that came off. And there's a lot of, I really wanted to take the time to stop and, and look at all of the background Easter eggs in, uh, in the video store. Um, because right. there's a lot of movie posters and I'm, and I'm, you know, none of that stuff, if they're really doing their job, none of it should just be happenstance. Like they should be like featuring things, yeah. um, you know, that whether it's just like a tongue in cheek joke or something like that. Like she has the coffee mug that says, uh, 
Um, uh, we all go a little mad sometimes yeah. and stuff like that. So there's just little nods to to the horror genres, uh, which the, I mean, it's the film itself is in one giant nod yeah, to. It's a great fake poster for a movie called Trailer Park Shark. <laughs> yeah, uh, which reminds me, we should do House Shark sometime. That's still on <laughs> the list. House Shark. Don't you remember House? It was one of those uh, Rob Bong movies that was a trailer when we watched the DVD for Truth or Dare. And there is oh, a there is a shark. It's Jaws, God. but the shark is in the house. Yeah, <laughs> house shark. Oh my God. All yeah. Right. Um, but oh yeah, good, good thing we remembered that. Uh, but no, this um, this movie is a good time. It is um, you know the meta right. stuff. You 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 um, you Wait, mentioned. I do. I do to mention too, real quick. In the in the store. They have the the posters. There is just one poster of Stephen First character from Animal House with no title, or it's just a picture of flounder. That's it, For, <laughs> that's and it's kind of awesome. prominent. It is like right behind her counter. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> yeah, for no good reason. Yeah, um, okay. For the yeah. Animal House fans out there, I, uh, you know, I don't know if I've ever seen that movie front to back. I was I was assuming that right now based on your reaction to me relaying this information. I've also never seen the Blues Brothers back to oh, like God. I mean that I know it's crazy. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, we should watch that. Okay. Um <laughs> but uh no, I um I think that uh I think that there's enough good here to to outweigh the bad. I think that um it is uh it's something different. Like, I don't know if you, uh, I like oh, the fact that, hold on. Look, wait, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. There is another dumb thing with the na- character names. Cause oh, I'm no. just looking at them. And as they're listed here, the last four characters, Bob, Carol, Ted, Alice, not even a horror. That's just another movie reference. Uh, Do you know that movie? Bob and Bob, oh yeah, Carol, with Ted, uh, Alice, with uh, Elliot Gould. Yeah, and I think Peter Natalie Fonda? Wood is in it. Yeah, Natalie Wood is in it. Yeah, yeah. So not even a horror movie reference. Just yeah, Jesus throwing Lord. it in there. Right, yeah, I'm sorry. I just because I was uh, you know I didn't want to forget to bring up Keith David before we you know. yeah. Well, no, the I was going to say the the meta thing. Like, um, I was always conflicted by the idea of meta movies because I. I think in some ways it sort of breaks the spell and I like that spell. I like the tropes. I like uh, buying into that every single time. And when, you know, everybody wants to pat Wes Craven on the back for, you know, uh, scream and, and sort of uh, exposing all of those, those tropes and everything in the rules of horror movies. And, and that was fun. But um, I do think I like the meta thing because if you're if you're a fan, it's basically just putting a spotlight on what you're a fan of. Yeah. Um, so I don't have a problem with that. Um, do I do I like a meta movie versus a true original story that that doesn't try to be so self-aware? Probably. I'm going to well, sure, I'm going to go yeah. for the story instead. But I, I think know. I think it's just the comedy part because I've I've liked the. Horror meta movies more than horror comedy meta movies. The whole, like the two that we I mean, we've covered this and the final girls and my issues with both were like like they've they've got good references and I mean the final girls I liked a lot more than this but even even the final girls was just like like they were almost there on all these things but like if it's just a straight up horror movie you can really fucking commit to the horror part of it yeah 
Maybe well, that's it. Well, w- one that is done really well that that gets um, vastly underrated and undernoticed is um, uh, Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Yeah. Um, which is meta horror done straight. Like there's there's no comedy to it. It's right. that it's the concept that Freddy Krueger is some sort of ancient evil that has now been manifested by the films. And you've got Heather Langenkamp playing herself and um and being affected by like the true Freddy, the real Freddy. Right. That's cool as hell. Yeah. And I don't think that's breaking any spells. I mean, he did meta right twice. That Wes Craven, <laughs> Wes Craven, was just an angel. He was such a smart dude. Yeah, um, yeah, so great, uh, a real treasure. And I, so I, there's room for it. Um, I just, I think that it's if we're talking about tropes in general, maybe that meta thing. Um, you just got to be a little careful with it. You yeah. know, don't because guess what. There, meta doesn't exist if the source material doesn't come first. Right. You can't overdo the meta <laughs> to where you don't have the source material anymore. So right. keep coming out with those original stories so that we can make meta movies about them. Yeah. But we got to do that first before we can get there. Otherwise, there's no, there's no, uh, there's no sexiness there. There's I'm just no afraid of the meta horror movie that's meta is played from other metas from other meta horror <laughs> movies you know now then we're done <laughs> right right yeah yeah you can take Thankfully that, too that as i'm explaining it sounds too convoluted to do so no it's like wearing two fingers condoms. crossed that we never figure that one out <laughs> yeah yeah you can go too far with it <laughs> um no i uh I, it it's done right in this movie it's just could have been um seasoned a little bit it's just it it's just we got a really great tasting dish here that, you know, just needs a little salt. And um, it uh, if it had that, it would be that much better. And I'm sure a lot more people would know about it. Yeah. Um, but it still also doesn't deserve to only be seen by like eight people in the world. It's yeah. better than that. Um, so check it out. Uh, if for no other reason, um, if you're like you said, Allison Hannigan, she's always fun to watch. Like if you're a Buffy fan. You got to watch this. Sure. Uh, she's great. Um, and uh, I don't know. They're, they're, uh, I'm going to say this because I think it's super important. We're talking a little bit about how the movie loses steam at the end or maybe it becomes a little muddled at the end. Mm-hmm. Maybe before putting a final judgment on this movie. Maybe this is one that you need to see twice. Now, that's a little bit of a gamble because you might be like, oh, my God, really? Like, I don't think I need to see it twice at all. Yeah. Why would you think you got to see this twice? Maybe I'm just wondering if maybe that that ending uh, when you go into it a second time that you don't you're not exhausting yourself so much on the front end of the movie that you save up a little energy to focus on the second half. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds like kind of ridiculous, but I, I just sometimes a, a second viewing can really save an opinion of a movie. So I don't know. It's not going to change the fact that the that the performances or shouldn't have been a, a little bit more punched up or what have you. Yeah. But um, some of them. But uh, I don't know. I, I might want to see it one more time. So are you, are you recommending? Yes. Yeah, I will. I will easily recommend it as a, um, I'll even put a letter grade on it. What the hell? Whoa. We don't normally do this. Let's go with a, uh, 
Ah, God, are we talking about in the grand scheme of all cinema? Because <laughs> that that's hard. Let's just say within the context of like fun horror movies, I'll give it a like a C plus B minus. Okay. Yeah, I'd give it a C, but I would not recommend it. There are way better options. Well, to I'm watch, gl- I'm glad it warms. And you don't me. need to see more than one meta comedy, meta horror comedy. You, you, of course, warm the cockles of my heart when you mentioned uh, Final Girls because we all know how much I love that. Yeah, you're right about that. If you've if you've got a choice between the two, I mean, Final Girls, a thousand percent. Yeah, and that's not to say that that is not without some of its limitations as well. Um, and like you said, kind of almost a few similar limitations as this, um, where it kind of feels like things were sped along a little bit. Yeah. Um, but uh, but all in all, yeah. I, well, okay, that's that's worth saying. That's worth saying that if there are that many other movies that are along the same lines but better, why would you recommend it? Yeah, it's a fair point. Um, but yeah, if you love, well, now Allison you've got a Hannigan, Go for it. Yeah. Now you've got a choice, viewing audience. Or if you want to see what Tom Kinney looked like in the late 90s. <laughs> yeah, Tom Kinney's illegitimate child <laughs> from Louisiana. Um, yeah, no, it's... Uh, well, hell, I mean, you know, uh, just uh, maybe watch the first half. Rec- do you recommend the first half of this movie? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then if you're like, that's enough. Yeah, you're right. Somebody did say uh, I read somewhere that they thought that it would make a really, really great um, hour long special, like on a uh, like a horror anthology or yeah, TV, like but a, just got like a pure hour. Yeah, 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 yeah. Strong enough concept for that. Um, yeah, no that that would work. That would that would totally work. Um, well, th- when was the last time that I recommended something and you didn't? I don't know. It's been a while. Yeah, I like it. Um, uh, but you know, I you could talk me into the other one. I mean, if if okay, God, when you say that about the final girls, you make a really good point. Uh, well, but there's no rule about you can only watch one. I'm just saying, I don't think anyone needs to watch more than one. So if you're going to, there are better options. Yes. Or but if, if you love meta horror, you know. Or Still, if, there are three others you should watch. <laughs> yeah. Or more importantly, if you are not the biggest horror fan in the world, and maybe you haven't seen a bunch of horror movies, get your ass out and watch Friday the 13th Part 4 before you watch any of these. I mean, watch yeah. the real the camp movies first. Yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, it's a bit of a cop-out, but it's, it should still be said. I mean... Like I said, it, none of these things exist without the the source material. So go out and watch yourself the where it all came from. I mean, do you think anyone could make a serious horror movie set in a camp anymore? That's a great question. Man, I'd love to see somebody try. Yeah. That's um, not part of an existing franchise, obviously. A new type of movie. If, even though, even if it's a slasher, because yeah, Sleepaway Camp and Friday the 13th, both set at camps, both slasher movies, not related. Um I don't know. I just don't know if you could do it anymore. Uh, I don't know if this qualifies as meta, but uh, just an idea that popped into my head. There are those um, places. There's one in California where you have to sign a waiver and they're allowed to like uh, manhandle you. 
and you go like a, on a terror weekend. You set up camp, but they will come and they'll drag you out of your tent in your sleeping bag and throw you in the back of a pickup truck and terrorize you for a weekend. They're allowed to touch you. They're allowed to yeah. handle you. They're allowed to push you around and insult Doesn't you. Doesn't sound like terrorizing to me, too. Right. Yeah. Some, some people like that stuff. <laughs> and so maybe you could play with... Bringing Pinhead with me. <laughs> Maybe you could play with like if one of those um, like is it is it really just the game or is it is it real like kind of like because maybe that's the only way you could do that where people are signing up for the fact that there's that still sounds like a comedy and it also yeah like if they're and it also still sounds meta. Yeah, if they think it's like, oh, this is part of my terror weekend, but a guy's right. really torturing them, they're just like, you are really going for it, dude. <laughs> that would be funny. Yeah. I'd watch that movie. Um, yeah. But no, I... have to have a really idiot <laughs> yeah. to be your main character. I like, I just like the concept of that, though. Uh, tr- could you truly make a scary camp movie again? Yeah. Man, that's uh, that's exciting. It's a nice challenge. Something to think about. All right. Well, that was uh, You Might Be the Killer from 2018. Tim, next week, it's uh, 4th of July. I got a wedding to go to. I'm not even going to be around. So we're taking a week off. But then we'll be back with a new mini series. For the month of July. Very excited. It's going to be a short mini series. We're celebrating since it's July, 4th of July, America's independence. So, what are we doing? We're going to celebrate America. And I'm going to let you tell everyone what the title of the next mini series is. It's a one word title, and it is America. <laughs> All the H's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yes, it's America, and uh, we'll be focusing on uh, just like you uh, great Americana movies. Yeah. I mean, we really just like the the name of that. Yeah, <laughs> series that are just shoehorning yeah. three movies that we think are American. <laughs> yes, but you'll be happy because first up from 1982, Poltergeist, mm. the OG, the OG family scarathon. Yeah. God, it's been a while since I've seen it front to back. Too. Yeah, I'm excited. I've not seen it in a long time. Yeah, probably over a decade. That'll be fun. Hmm. Yeah, that was a, that was a real traumatizer for an entire generation. Like that's a movie that like really effed with a lot of Dude, people. I'll talk about it. More, oh, I know. But my cousin told me about a scene in that, and I couldn't sleep. Like, yeah, I know. I know which one you're talking. I bet I know which one you're talking about too. Yeah. I don't know. You would think. Uh, I think, yeah, well, we'll find out. It's yeah, I, it's such, so good. And then there's so much to talk about. Hey, and you know what, what we'll challenge ourselves to for that. Let's a little, little teaser out here. Let's challenge ourselves when we cover that to finally make a definitive decision on who directed that who directed movie. It, yes. Because it's up for debate. We're getting down to the bottom of it. Yeah. We will figure You'll it hear out. it here first. Yeah. We'll put those detective instincts to the test. We're going to figure it out. All right. We got two weeks. All right. Cool. So, yeah, that's uh, Poltergeist, part of America. Uh, <laughs> please check out our website, slumberpodcastmassacre.com. Shoot us an email, slumberpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your suggestions and insights. 
And a huge thank to our patrons. You help make this show possible. Uh, shout out. Y'all are awesome. Uh, yeah, so uh, be back. we'll be back in two weeks. Poltergeist, Tim, you got anything else to say about you might be the killer? Um, just that I realized that, you know, my love of grammar, that Kayak King is like just a word in and of itself, too. Yes, that's like a, a gerund. Joke. It's kayaking. Yeah, kayaking. Yeah. That's awesome. And he's the kayak king. He's the kayak king. His delivery on where he's they first introduce him and he's like, you know, it's it's Steve the kayak king. And he's like, yeah, uh, you know, I just kind of noticed, though, that you guys just have canoes. It, uh, It's fine. It's fine. Like, <laughs> he care. Yeah. No, there's uh, funny jokes. Yeah. They've got a lot of them. Well, we'll see you in two weeks. <laughs> Sounds great. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.